Before diving into today's episode, did you know that this podcast has a supporters club? By becoming a member, you not only gain access to exclusive content, but also play a crucial role in supporting your favorite podcast. See the link in the episode description to find out more. Now, let's get back to the episode. Okay, sure. I might be a little late right now, but I'll be honest with you. I just had to sit back and watch a couple of movies here on this beautiful Saturday night. Even though at the same time, you know, that it was supposed to come on Friday. But hey, whatever. I'm here. It's Saturday. And guess what that means? It is time to get this thing started. Welcome to the J-Man Show here on G360 Radio. Hey, what is going on, J360 Legion? Welcome back to the J-Man Show, here for episode 95. A little bit of an impromptu Saturday special, but it is also a continuation of the double special that was started on Thursday night. I am your host, J.M. Brady, so let's go ahead and get into it. Oh, man. Shoot. So have you all been since the little impromptu siesta? I hope well. I managed to take some time to look at some of the stuff from IMDb, like the 200 worst films ever made, if you will. Some of these things are self-explanatory. You know, like, okay, so I see why on here Ballistics X versus Sever is number one. Okay, and I see, like, number two is Chaos. Oh, wow, I, I have not heard of that. Emily and her friend Angela go to a rave in the woods, and when they arrive, they meet a stranger called Swan that promises some ecstasy for the girl. They follow into a cabin into the woods. You know what? Everybody to this day are still trying to do the whole cabin in the woods scenario. It's usually dealing with drugs and everything else. You know, when it comes right down to it, it's so easy to set up a scenario like that. It gets kind of boring. But, you know... If you look at it from a scenario, that's not a bad concept, but I can see where it falls apart at the seams. So, hey, maybe I can hunt for that some other time. House of the Dead, definitely, that that one stinks. That definitely stinks. But it's a Yui Bowl film, so you know that's not news. Uh, followed up with Alone in the Dark, yes. I'm sure Yui Bowl is all over the place on air. Of course, you know, I didn't mind him going ahead and, um... What's that guy that runs, um... Something awful. No, it was a uh, God. I can't think of his name. He low tax, low tax. Now it was funny when low tax and Yui Bowl were fighting in a boxing match. I mean, at the end of the day, you could tell like Yui Bowl has no sort of style at all, and pretty much low tax is trolling him the whole time. Uh, it's old news at best, but you know it, it never hurts to go back and take a look at some of the old school stuff. So you can go ahead and say, "Gee, how far we come when it comes to internet interfacing." Hey, hey, now, I don't agree with this pick here. Transformers Revenge of the Fallen? Oh, come on, y'all. You know, like, that movie was poorly reviewed and you know it. That movie right there was the pinnacle of Michael Bay filmmaking. I mean, think about it, guys. It was action-packed. There were a lot of explosions. I mean, sure, when the writer's strike took over, it didn't have the charm of the first one, but it had what we all came to see. Giant robot action. Nobody cared anymore about that other than Megan Fox just running around in tight white pants the whole time. And with the cleavage-bearing shirt. 
Oh, what, you think I'm going to mention Shia LaBeouf? Uh, man, nobody cares about that. His story arc was done right about when he managed to be- land that hot babe to be his girlfriend. And then she didn't even show up for the uh, third one. And, well, we all know why that happened, because disagreements with Michael Bay. to hang out with the Ninja Turtles. Yeah, looking at this list here, you can see, like, some of this stuff is just... Some of these things are based off of... Well, they're all based off of opinions. But a lot of this stuff is really just things that you already know. Like Leonard Part 6, the one that pretty much cemented Bill Cosby's film career. We all knew that was bad. I mean, he plays a special agent that comes back out of retirement. Of course, there are no sequels before this. That's the gag. But, no, no, prequels, I mean. Of course, there are no movies before this and stuff. The closest thing that... Bill Cosby has ever been to being a secret agent would be I Spy, and even then, that's a much better series, and had a much better plot than this. This this guy, <laughs> you can tell Bill Cosby either A, needed the money, or stand-up just wasn't hiring him a lot at the time, because, you see, that movie's premise, basically, is that he is a special agent that comes out of retirement to go on one last mission to stop an evil genius who uses animals to kill and honor in order to um, promote promote vegetarian. I mean, yeah, well, you know, to be to promote people to be vegans. It is so stupid. But there's a part in there where um, Bill Cosby's riding on an ostrich on the at <laughs> the climax, which is pretty funny. Like, you know what I'm saying? But there are moments where like frogs. Mind control frogs are hopping around and killing victims. Yeah, you, you know, if you ever think of something that's really kind of corny, but at the same time it's just so stupid you can't look away, you gotta check out Litter Part 6. Because it's it was so bad that Bill Cosby tried to block it from being shown on TV and tried to buy as many copies of it to destroy. So you can see how bad it was in terms of that. Oh, look, they got Freddy Got Fingered on here, Battlefield Earth, Glitter. Oh, yeah, remember when Mariah Carey wanted to show you how good of an actress she was? Yeah, it really didn't work out so well. I mean, the soundtrack was good, don't get me wrong, but when it gets right down to it, some of these people are so soaked into their own ego, they think they can be the triple threat. And this kind of spits in the face that those that are kind of the triple threat, but you see, keep using what works. You know, if you're all about the music, be about the music. If... Anything, you know that Mariah Carey's acting is not as strong and incredible than this movie here, Glitter. God. I I remember that. She was supposed to be a... She was supposed to be an out-of-work dancer trying to look for her mom. She she, she wanted to look for her her mother. Hmm. Yeah, well, actually, now think about it. Didn't Britney Spears try to do a movie like that? I'm sure that's on here, too. It was called, like, Crossroads or something. And it was with her and them two girls. And they, they were supposed to go on this road trip so they could rekindle their lost friendship or something. It, it's, it's always like that. See, it's one of them road films. One of those kind of films that is supposed to show these characters rebuilding and coming together and hopes of actually restoring something that they lost along the way. I think uh, My Own Idaho is just a much better premises of how you do it. You know? Of course, at the end of that, though, you know, once you look into that, you'll be like, did he ever find his mom or not? Answer to that is, nope. Wait, Resident Evil Apocalypse? 
Okay, I can understand the third Resident Evil movie, which was was uh, correct me if I'm wrong. It's was it Extinction? I think it was Extinction. Yeah, because I get I get that one mixed up with Afterlife, and Afterlife is the fourth one. So yeah, it's definitely the one called Extinction. That is, uh, yeah, yeah. The other one's after it, but I really did like the first one and the second one. You know, I thought they were okay. Now this one definitely needs to be on here. It's the uh, Halle Berry Catwoman movie. Yeah, that, that that totally sucked. I mean, here, as I'm looking at this list, the thing is that some of these are right. Some of these are on the money. Here here goes um, a sequel to Saturday Night Fever called Staying Alive. And that's when Tony Manero tried to break into um, being a Broadway dancer. <laughs> like, some of these are actually awakening uh, memories that I have of seeing some of these. Because, you know, like, when you work nights sometimes, you stay up late, you take a look at what's on here. Like, when you're looking at Weekend at Bernie's, and you know that everything that was funny about Weekend at Bernie's was just stupid funny. But by the time you go over to, like, Weekend at Bernie's 2, you're like, yeah, I'm either drunk, high, or at best, I'm bored out of my skull. But as I look at that damn would-be zombie dancing around in hopes of finding some sort of money for a voodoo priestess, the, the the whole thing is so convoluted, it's just ridiculous enough not to avoid. I had a friend one time come up and say, you must like something about that bad film if you're going to uh, re- review it. Yeah, no kidding, right? I mean, <laughs> it only takes till the 94th episode for people to realize why I do that. I explained that last episode. So as I go about this episode, I'm explaining it again. There's charm in an arm. Ding, ding. And the thing about it is, some of these films here, like, when it comes to movies, you can get a different reaction out of people. You can please some of the people some of the time, but you can never, ever please everyone all the time. And, like, some of these movies, like Mr. Deeds, for instance. I thought Mr. Deeds was okay. It's not a return to form for Adam Sandler's career, mind you. I mean, you could look at The Ridiculous Six and see that he still is not there yet. But that was a decent movie because, you know, he, he a man who inherited money um, going into a world that, you know, pretty much won't accept him, which is the rich, stuffy, upper crust people. I mean, it's just the same as Billy Madison mixed with um, Happy Gilmore, and he just worked his way to try to make that sell. A lot of people just didn't care for it. Especially when uh, Little Nicky didn't sell like it should have. And you see, Little Nicky is one of those rare films I just don't like. Even though there's a funny premise in there, and there were some moments where I was like, huh. But you know, it just um, it just didn't pull me in like, say, The Waterboy. And The Waterboy is one of those movies that polarizes people. Even though, you gotta admit, when he tackled Colonel Sanders like that, or like you... He had that thought where his coach was saying, water sucks. It really, really sucks. Water sucks. (laughs) It makes you just want to go see the movie. And not to mention, Jerry Reed was such a jerk in that damn film. Oh my goodness. Some of these I have not even witnessed. This one's called Ega. And the premise for that is teenage stumble across a prehistoric caveman who goes on a rampage. Man, if there was a nickel for how many cartoon specials were made out of that. I think Billy and Mandy had the same premise for an episode where Billy finds a caveman who was actually Fred Flintstone buried in his backyard. And then he thawed out Fred and Fred went on a rampage running around. It was called Modern Primates. 
But the way this movie is rated, and it's from 1962, so it probably isn't that good. I mean, it was directed by Arch Hall Sr., and it stars his son as the main role, so... Yeah, it might not be the best, but you can see how some people will take a premise from any of these kind of flop films, if you will, and turn them over to become something great. Because that episode with Fred Flintstone in it was pretty damn funny. I mean, there was a part where he's like, gee, I wonder what this caveman's name is. And then, like, Fred paused for a minute because he said, only thing he said in the whole short was yabba dabba. But then he looked at uh, Billy and said, Fred. And then, like, Billy Pauls and said, Fred, what kind of name is that for you? No, you're Jack Steele. And you see, keep in mind, Billy's pretty much dumb as a brick, so, you know, it, it just works for him. This one is called Track of the Moon Beast. A young man is transformed into a hideous moon beast due to a meteor fragment lodged in his body. Wow, that sounds so cheesy. I, I got to put that on the list. And, you know, sometimes to be a great filmmaker, you got to look at a lot of bad movies. Especially if it's something that seems to be crazy as this. A a lodged... (laughs) Now, the last time I know about a meteor being lodged in somebody's chest, his name was Robert Townsend, and he played a meteor man. Which, love it or you hate it, it was one of those movies that came out during a time where you were deconstructing superhero tropes and making fun of it. It's the same thing about, like, uh, Blank Man back in the day. Came out at the right time. Great comedy films. I'm sure nowadays they're not as high graded as, you know, say like, um, high graded as like some of these other films that are out here now. Like, take Shazam, for instance, which just came out not too long ago. Great movie. Humorous, in fact. But, you know, I kind of feel bad that he didn't get to use his proper name, but I don't want to open that can of worms because I could do that next episode. Uh, but yeah, like, The Track of the Moon Beast. Now, that kind of reminds me of, um, there was a movie that was riffed on Mystery Science Theater 3000, and I think it was called Laser Blast, that had the same thing, where a kid found, like, this weapon that was from these aliens, and he had, like, this gem or this necklace on him, but you see, the thing is, he wore that stuff thinking that it was part of a style, but it turns out that it was actually a weapon that would turn you into a monster, and a destroying monster at that. And I guess the aliens that were hunting, they didn't decide to destroy the weapon before it could fall into anybody else's hands. So this is where you see the the charm and the norm, right? Not to mention, like, as soon as you get a good look at those clay monsters, you're like, man, this is ridiculous. And they even have a moment where they have a transaction in speaking to their leader. There was a whole scene about this, and you couldn't understand a damn thing they were saying. So it was like, yeah, okay, let, let's see how this goes. And plus, you know, Mystery Science Theater 3000 is the reason why you could appreciate some of these bad movies that were made. You know what I'm saying? That's kind of the best way it is. Like, I always had it this way, because, you see, when you when you make a movie, you're already doing one of the greatest undertakings in society. And since the digital revolution happened we're able to do some of these quality films, whether they're shorts, whether they're conventional, or whether they're full-long features. And there's a lot of damage and a lot of money that takes place. It's a lot to deal with. But the thing is, is that when you got some people out there that will criticize and say whether a movie's good or bad or not, it depends on whether they understand the premise or what they get out of it 
or pretty much saying that, oh, I've invested all so much money into this and, and, and I want my money's worth. And you'll sit there for a minute and be like, okay, you say that, but at the same time, you don't need to go ahead and disrespect the movie because you didn't like it. You can go ahead and describe why it was bad and why it was a flop to you. But at the same time, just be open-minded enough to tell people it depends on the audience and what you get out of it. And if you want to enjoy the movie, go watch the movie. You know, that's my whole premise over here. I'm not going to tell you a movie is bad and that's it. Don't go see this movie. No, I'm not, that's not in me to do that. You know what I'm saying? Because guess what? As I make movies, there's a chance that my movie probably won't sell well or fall victim to executive meddling. Even though I'll do what I can to fight it. But at the same time, you know, it can't be helped what goes on during the process of a movie. The only thing you can hope is, is that you don't go over budget, you sell the movie well, and you are telling the story that will not get lost in translation because a lot of people will rewrite it, script doctor it, change up everything, you know, and, and it sucks to a point if you're too close to it. But you never know, another pair of eyes and another set of writing skills can really help a movie. But it all depends on how we can all take it. And quite a lot of people can't handle criticism and they can't handle certain things that they see as improvements. And I remember one time years ago in the past, I couldn't handle criticism. Got over it, though. But the thing about it is, is this. A lot of other people out there to this day, they're still scared of that comments list that is on every single piece of content creating. And they're afraid of what people will tell them. And you got to remember this. Most times it's because of what they have either anticipated or what they went through throughout their entire life. But you got to get understand this. Sometimes a real negative comment just helps you grow. Sometimes a real negative speech on something is where they're coming from at a low level to go ahead and throw some stuff at you because they figure, oh, you know what I mean? I don't want him to succeed or grow at any point. I don't want her to be anything in life other than submissive to me, so I'm going to try to undercut him as possible. But once you know the tactics and how people play out on trying to do stuff, the best thing you can do is just look at that and say, yeah, thank you for the help. Here's the next episode, and here's the next episode, and here's the next episode. It's all a matter of growth. That's why I like looking at these cheesy, schlocky films. That's why, you know, when people tell me that Masters of the Universe 1983 was a good series, but by the time they went into 1987, where the movie came out, and they were like, the movie sucked. I couldn't stand the movie. The movie was ridiculous, and, and I'll use any hyperbolic statement I can use just to be uh, making a point. Like saying like, oh, I'd rather watch more Courtney Love porn than to look at that. And it's like, well, you like Courtney Love porn? Really? Did you like the part where her breast implant exploded out and stuff? I mean, <laughs> little stuff like that. No, no offense to Courtney Love, though, because I know Kurt Cobain's anniversary of his passing was not too long ago. So please don't be too mad at me on that. But as I use that as an example, it's like, you know, when people go ahead and they do those kind of statements instead of telling you what's really the problem, you know, you don't have to take them seriously, right? You know what I mean? I mean, it's just, it's just facts like that. But when you look at it and if you're creating or if you're taking notes and you're writing down why you don't like certain things, that's fine. And if you look and see where the problems happened at, you try not to let them happen to your project. 
But there is that moment where you think that you're probably creating something as great as The Exorcist, but chances are you're probably creating something that turned out to be as gruesome as Troll 2, which is one of the greatest (laughs) cheesy movies ever made. You know? So it's just little things like that. But like I always say, going back to Masters of the Universe, I think that that is just one of the best movies I've ever seen, simply because of Skeletor and his portrayal. It had the bad guys win principle. In a way, it went on its own track rather than follow what the series did before it. Because sometimes if you're staying too close to structure and your plan is safe, you pretty much doom the movie anyway because people will look at it and say, oh, well, that might as well just have been an extended episode of the series, which kind of happened to Hey Arnold, the movie. Might as well have just been an extended episode. Even though the most endearing part of it is not the plot. Not the whole, you know, save the save the neighborhood plot, which is always a thing. You know, when you do something like that. Because there's going to be something out there that kind of destroys the one thing that keeps that group together. But you see, what saved that movie is basically the characterization of the characters. It's the same thing with the Deadpool movies, if you really think about it. Nobody really cares about the plots in those movies. It's because we have waited so long to see that character on screen and to enjoy all the funny things about him. And they got the right guy to play him who just held on to play that character. You know, in the end, it was all just going to come together right. And it did. I don't care what anybody says about like, oh, the sequel wasn't as good as the first one. It hardly ever is, y'all. But in those rare occasions that it is, you know, you give it its due. A lot of people for the longest time thought that... You know, Age of Ultron wasn't as good as the first Avengers. Maybe because it was a darker film and it was leading somewhere. You know? Maybe. Or like a lot of people over there that like that look at the DCU films and say, Oh yeah, 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 we're, they're finally getting on track. They're finally doing it right. To this day, I still don't know why people hate Man of Steel. I thought Man of Steel was decent. To this day, I still don't see why a lot of people hate Batman versus Superman. Even though... You know, like I said, the movie had its problems, yes, but it wasn't the worst movie I've ever seen, especially with those two characters. But, you know, a lot of people like to go ahead and be on that Batman train, even though he just had an anniversary. But see, the thing about it is we're not getting that new Batman until 2021. So I can't wait to see what will happen when stuff doesn't go right for that particular film and how many people will try to turn a blind eye to it because, hey, we got a Batman film again. You see what I'm saying? And, and, and I'm still holding out for Man of Steel 2 or any Superman film in general. Like, I mean, you can build up around Superman, which they are doing, but I would like to see the man himself having more adventures, at least in my lifetime. You know, because now that I think about it, I was in my 20s when Superman Returns came out. I was in late 20s when Man of Steel came out, I think. I think so. I think I was in my late 20s. Do I have to wait till I'm 35 just to get a damn decent... A, a, a damn decent Superman sequel? Uh, you know, it's just little things like that. Of course, as I go on that kind of stuff, I really am supposed to be talking about, you know, some of the films that I enjoy. And, you know, I'm sure some of you have heard them. But, like, you know, Space Invaders. That movie wasn't going to win any awards by any means, but I thought it was hilarious. And then, of course, you got <laughs> the Fantastic Four movies. 
Not all three of them. That third one from 2015, that doesn't really count as a movie. There was no conflict there. There was no enjoyment. There was barely any characterization in that movie. That functions as a bad movie at best. But when it comes to the other two movies, I mean, they're good to laugh at. I mean, if you're sitting there like on a Saturday afternoon and you're just like, hey, I got nothing to do. I don't want to watch anything else. I just want to see something with a little bit of fantastic elements and and <laughs> just pretty much lots of promise, but, you know, whatever. Then, you know, you just turn on one of those movies and you sit back and watch it. It's kind of like looking at the Tremors sequels. Yeah, the first Tremors was good. Second Tremors, third Tremors, eh, all right. But then you look over at um the fourth Tremors, which was a prequel, and you're like, okay, this is great. Five and six, not as good as the uh, not as good as the other ones, but still, don't mind watching them because Burt Gummer is just one hell of a good character. And if you have any access to the Tremors series, they're supposed to be doing another set of series too. But the first Tremors series was all right. But like when you look at um. Like, what I'm saying is, is that there's charm in the norm. Like, when you see, like, certain movies that are never going to make it to that that Oscar grade, after a while, it doesn't matter about the Oscar grades. It doesn't matter about some of these award systems anyway, because I'm going to tell you why. They are, the categories and the way that the Academy handles stuff nowadays is so broken and open-ended, and we all know the, the way that it comes out is not going to help us in the end. You know what I'm saying? So we, at the end of the day... Don't put them on a pedestal, much like Rotten Tomatoes. Right, that's all I gotta say. Like right now, as I look at IMDb's list here, I'm gonna go look at Rotten Tomatoes' list over there, and I just look at some of these films and say, "Oh wow, I didn't even know all this stuff existed." So let me just go ahead and get some research here. Let me go ahead and watch this over there, and then you got um, you got oh wait, 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 I almost forgot Swamp Thing too. Me and Alan used to have a segment where we would watch these crazy movies, right? But Swamp Thing 2 was ridiculously bad. Well, okay, okay, not bad. It was just ridiculous in concept. See, this is where Swamp Thing was looking for a mate. The first time he was getting revenge on losing his humanity. And then you look at Man-Thing that came out on sci-fi. Man-Thing was an interesting Marvel IP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was. In comic book form, it was crazy, too. Of course, then Howard the Duck came along and made that segment a little bit lighter. But when you really think about it, though, in the actual movie, there were some things lacking. Like, you really didn't spend enough time with, you know, Man-Thing. And then, of course, you know, the military had to get involved, and it was about on the Everglades. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know. It's just one of them things that you look at, you're like, hmm. I'm watching sci-fi. But then you look over at, like, Sharknado. And then Lava Langula. We need those cheesy movies in our lives. Like, when you see, like, people go ahead and they post bad reviews. Well, what's a good review or a bad review differ from, huh? I mean, where do we get all of our people that are sitting here on social media day in and day out criticizing and going ahead throwing stones at all these movies that they say are not good. They're not high caliber. Whatever. Whatever. I don't care about that stuff. Don't you just want something that you can just sit up, prop your feet up, and, and, and look at this and be like, man, <laughs> that's pretty stupid. Look at this. A killer doll is coming at him. 
that knows voodoo. <laughs> he's got like 72 hours. Otherwise, he's stuck in that body. And the only one he can do is tell it to a kid that probably couldn't even understand half of what he says. And as I mentioned that, you know, the child's play films. First one, scary. Second one, kind of scary. Third one, try too hard. Fourth one, comedy. Fifth one, suck comedy. Uh, actually, no, let's just change that. Subpar comedy. I really just didn't like the fifth one. I, I thought it was just a whole lot of ideas that didn't go anywhere. Uh, sixth one, back to being scary. Seventh one, carried the sixth one. And then there's going to be a series that's going to take place with that main lineup. But I also know there's a remake to Child's Play coming. And they finally revealed who the voice of Chucky is going to be. And it's going to be Mark Hamill. That's good. Because he can use all that rage that he has from what's going on with Luke Skywalker in the latest Star Wars movies to go ahead and fulfill his rage. It's totally okay. Of course, though, um, I, I heard he's supposed to be coming back in Episode Nine, so I wonder what he's going to be doing with that. Is he going to be, uh, well, obviously he's going to be a ghost, but I just wonder if, I wonder what's going to happen. So that's something I got to look forward to in December. Now, as I say, are certain movies that are bad, are they going to be the next cult classic later on? Are people going to be more forgiving to Star Wars Episode Eight? Remains to be seen. Because Star Wars Episode Eight is just one of them polarizing films. But you see, nowadays, I commend some of these film companies for just following through. Because there are times where your consumers really don't know what they want. And then there are times where, you know, they get exactly what they want and they're not satisfied. So if you get exactly what you want and you're not satisfied, it's your own fault. You understand that, right? And then, like, you know, they're supposed to be bringing back Creep Show. Which, by the way, let's go into that. Creep Show 1. Great horror film. Got kind of iffy past the Lee, uh, past the Leslie Nielsen story. You know, where he was a jerk to everybody. Or that one where that, uh, or that one where that germaphobe was, uh, you know, or that one where that ger germaphobe finally got a taste of all he's been avoiding after being a jerk to everybody that worked for him. Yeah, yeah, the Leslie Nielsen story was kind of iffy, but it redeemed itself with the final story. So if you can get four out of five, that's not bad. And then the second one, the second one is something that a lot of people really didn't see. And it wasn't five stories that time. I think it was at least three. Kind of lacking in some areas, but the whole branching and reach around animated sequences in that movie, pretty well done. So it kind of saves itself. I just wish that we had more anthology films like that being produced. Well, actually, yeah, we kind of did. It was called, uh, it was called Love, Death, and Robots, right? Yep, so that, that's a good anthology. But then I, I know, like, uh, Tales from the Hood, both of those, uh, a lot of people are either, either hate one or love the other, or, like, they don't like them both equally at the same time. A lot of people really can't stand the second one. Because the first story didn't seem to be all that scary to them. Well, you see, at that point, they were building up to something. So, they're at least allowed to have one bad story in an anthology movie. Alright? Let's just give it that. But, I will tell you this. I like both of them. Tales from the Hood was good. I can't wait for a third one. Hopefully, they'll bring Keith David back. Or even better, they could go as far to get um, you know, Link from the Mod Squad to come back for it. Either way, I enjoyed it. 
But like when you look at these things, like The Room, The Room is considered the worst movie of all time. Yet at the same time, it's a movie that we all watch around either Christmas time or New Year's Eve time just to <laughs> laugh and enjoy ourselves. You know, sometimes you don't want to see everybody all happily ever after. Sometimes you just want to see something that's so bad it's it's brilliant. And then you can say like some of that stuff is kind of destroying filmmaking. But it's not. It's not destroying anything. It's pretty much what the movies were about. Escapism. Getting away from it all. Not letting the worries of the day bother you. Like I'm looking at. Like, before I started doing the episode tonight, I'm looking at two crazy favorites of mine that really didn't win over anybody when they came out, and it featured Ice Cube in it. And it was called, Are We There Yet? And Are We Done It Yet? And the thing is, I'm looking at Are We Done Yet right now, and yeah, pretty much you can see where the characterizations here are not the best, but I'm enjoying myself because (laughs) it has that one guy from Scrubs on there, the one that played the doctor that didn't want to work with anybody. And he's all being uh, anti-version of his character on Scrubs because he's all helpful and stuff. And Ice Cube, Ice Cube just doesn't like people. And Nia Long is just a beautiful woman. So, you know, it works out for me. I'm enjoying the way it goes down. All I know is is this. Like, if you played it on, like, any of these networks or any of these streaming, uh, streaming components... They can watch these things and they can be like, wow, this this is actually pretty damn good. And you'll still get paid. Like, say, like, if you work on a segment like this and the movie doesn't sell well. Yeah, you know, there's moments where you have to work on collateral. But then you realize you'll still get paid. But you'll get paid more for a winner, I guess. And after a while, you know, the the way people's opinions tend to fluctuate astounds me. Because then you look at like certain movies like Highlander. Highlander is still a thriving franchise. Uh, Logan's Run is still a thriving story that can scare the hell out of anybody in their late 20s going into their early 30s. Because guess what? When you're in your early 30s, what, what's the going speech around here? You're an old man when you hit 30, right? Or you ain't going to have no much fun. You ain't going to have no pleasure. And then after a while, people will be like this. At least in the Logan's Run future... When you get about 30, there's a gem in your palm that lights red and you better get the hell on out of town because the Sandman's coming to shoot you or you got to go wear white to go to Carousel so you can fly around and get zapped by lasers and destroyed in midair in front of everybody in the colony. Now, I don't know about you, but after a while, when you really think about it, we need to quit doing that Logan's Run stuff to certain people out here that are hitting 30. You're going to get older anyway. Deal with it. Do what I do. Try to make your thirties a lot more, a lot more fun and everlasting than your twenties. Because if I remember my twenties, my twenties was fun, yeah. But hell, most of the time I just went to work. You know what I'm saying? But shoot, I'm enjoying life, man, and that's the whole point. But hey, I can talk about ageism another time. But right now, though, like when it gets right down to these, uh certain scenarios on this listing here i got a lot of movies to watch and i'm fine with it and see the best part is and this is for those of you out there that want to create movies or do create movies when you watch these old movies they give you an idea of special effects 
cinematography, developing a director's eye, blocking for a script that you can use for productions. That's why you watch them. And then you can also say, oh, well, I know what not to do. And sometimes you realize this, the rules that they throw out there to you, they're just guidelines. And after a while, you got to break those guidelines so you can allow your film to thrive. And then you got to work out a way to sell your material. Kind of like selling this podcast from time to time. But I've yacked your year off long enough for tonight. And as a matter of fact, I'm always going to say this, my favorite all-time cult film will always be Masters of the Universe. And then at the end of that spectrum, well, who knows? But I know Spider-Man 3 is on that list too. Because it's not the best Spider-Man movie. (laughs) Hell no. But, it's a classic in its own right because you can see how much of a tough act number two was to follow. But, as for usual, I gotta get on out of here and this is another double special that has been completed. So I want you all to take care of yourselves and we will catch up again for episode 96 sooner than you think. So until then, this is the J-Man signing off. Peace.